every step we took, the water was just coming in over our ankles, and yeah, it was just pure bogland and marsh, and it was um, very demoralising at that stage of the, the event. And I suppose we it both it, it tested both our patience really. Episode two hundred and seventy-seven. Sean Stewart talks about the Ireland High Peaks Challenge. This episode is sponsored in part by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people. Learn more and get a free quote online at healthiq.com/adventure. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Hi friends, Kurt here. Hey, I have a wonderful guest for us today. Sean Stewart has joined us from Ireland and Sean is an ultra athlete of all different sorts. He uh, has done ski expeditions. He's a scuba diver. He really enjoys mountain biking, sea kayaking, uh, used to do a lot of distance cycling, and now his main focus this year is on ultra distance running. He recently completed a feat that I think is pretty clever and amazing. He and his buddy, Lonan O'Farrell, just did the High Peaks Challenge. And what that means is that they climbed the 32 highest peaks in the 32 counties of Ireland. And uh, it's no small thing. They did this in 60 hours and 35 minutes, which meant they had to cover over 160 kilometers and ascend more than 10,000 meters. So we're talking about a little bit more than from sea level to the top of Everest. And they raise some money for charity in so doing. So I want to hear about this. Sean, welcome to the program. Hi, Curtis. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. So, Sean, I just gave everyone the teaser about the High Peaks Challenge in Ireland. And I want to come back to that in a minute. But first, I want to find out who you are. So you do all of these different adventure sports. How did you get started with all these sports? Yeah, um, I suppose I have quite a variety of sports. Um it started from a young age, really. Uh, I suppose I'm probably a product of my environment. Um, I live in the northwest of Ireland here in County Donegal, and it's it's really an outdoors paradise. It's um, situated with mountains and we're the Atlantic Ocean's on my doorstep. So, really, from a young age, I was out exploring in the forests and hills. So it was it was always there. Um, I suppose I've really tapped into it this last kind of maybe eight or ten years. Um, so yeah, it's it's great. It's a great place for mountain biking. Um, hill walking is very popular here. And then with the sea beside us, um, some of the best surfing in Ireland is, is five minutes away. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a brilliant place to live. And, you know, I'm, I'm delighted to be able to train here and call it my home. Oh, that's fantastic. Before we started recording, um, you mentioned that you have been encouraging other people to try to focus on doing local adventures. And we were talking about how a lot of people do the big, massive adventures, like going to the poles or climbing the seven summits around the globe or that sort of thing. But you've really focused on finding things that you can do locally that uh, can kind of push the envelope and let people know there's stuff to do right on your doorstep. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we're all pretty uh, stuck for time and money a lot of the time. So um, myself personally, I, I was trying to go on uh, ventures that are manageable, even local ones. And like a perfect example is just, just last weekend, there's a, a small adventure race here locally and there was over 500 people did it. And you had all sorts, you know, you had 
the elite athletes right down to people who just you, you completed a 5k last summer for the first time so you know i'd be a big advocate of, of trying to promote that and just getting people getting people outdoors you know so many people run to gyms and pay big memberships yet on their back door they've got a training ground it's just getting out and making the most of things yeah Oh, yeah. Well, tell us about that race a little bit more. You said an adventure race with 500 people. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's big numbers. But, uh, yeah, set off in waves. Um, so five different waves of, of roughly 100 people. Um, yeah, so it's the adventure racing scene in Ireland, um, it's more multi-sport racing. They call it adventure racing. Um, but most of it is actually uh, a laid-out route. So it's a mixture of, say, running, off-road, on-road, um, transitioning onto a bike section, they might put in a kayak of maybe two to three kilometers in length. And then you also probably have a, a hill or a mountain to, to climb. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really popular in Ireland at the moment. Um, there's a, a real good scene in it. And, you know, every, every month there's at least two that you could be doing, um, either locally or within a two to three hour drive. So yeah, it's great. It's, it's, um, it's really what I'm into at the moment. It sounds like it's pretty popular there as well. It is. Um, I think they've really evolved this last couple of years because so many people were doing five 5K runs and then eventually they, they, they got a bit fed up with that distance and they were looking for something extra and uh, they, they bought a bike and one thing leads to another, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really popular and it's great to see. I mean, people now are taking on bigger challenges every other year. Um, there's a, a massive race here. Um, it's supposed to be similar standard to the coast-to-coast New Zealand. Um, it's called the race.ie and it's it's a 24-hour endurance event so um, like Donegal really is is the hub for it at the moment so a 24-hour race yeah 24 hours well it's it's about 260 kilometers uh so yeah it's a hell of a race um i actually did it myself this year i was second in it uh so it's it's there's about 65 kilometers of running um 160 odd k of biking and then there's a mountain and a a 12-kilometer kayak and at some stage as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a long day out. Wow, very long day. So I, I got to rewind a little bit. The distances that you just threw out there, I think that for the majority of people around the planet, that sounds like it's not doable. But you've, you know, a lot of people have shown it can be done, and you took second. Congratulations on that. But how do you work yeah. your, your way into doing these sorts of races this much distance? Yeah, well, there's um, quite a good group locally who were training. They, they dedicated about six months training to it. And like anything, it's progression. Uh, you know, they these guys maybe did half marathons and maybe the Dublin Marathon, which is popular here in Ireland, uh, a few years back. And then maybe we're doing charity cycles, sportifs. And it's just a really a, a matter of amalgamating everything. So, yeah, I suppose training-wise, it does take up a lot of time. Um, you know, you're looking to do quite long sessions of maybe – anywhere from six up to 10 hours um, in preparation for these events. But uh, what I like about them is the, the great variety of training. You know, you're, you're not just focusing on running all the time or biking all the time. You, you know, every day is slightly different. You're on mountains a day, you're running roads, you're cycling, you're kayaking. So it's a variety really that keeps me going. Um, if I just had to focus on one discipline, it, I think it would be a lot tougher and, and also tougher on the body. Yeah, no doubt about it. So of all the sports that you do, and you do a bunch there, uh, which one is your favorite? Yeah, I think deep down the bike is my favorite. Um, I always cycle. I cycle from a very young age. I suppose I, I really got into racing when I was about 12 years of age. And I I raced, raced competitively till I was about 16. And I actually got a, a bad bout of um, 
glandular fever and it just knocked me back for a year really and I had to get, I just gave up the bike for a couple of years when I went to university and I suppose when I was 20 then I, I got back into it and started racing again and got to a pretty good level here in Ireland and um, yeah the, the bike is probably my love you know there's nothing nicer than going out on a, on a good day and you know following the coastal roads around Donegal it's, it's just beautiful. Mm. So what is the landscape like there? You mentioned that you've got mountains and you have the coast, but um, for someone that's never seen a picture of it, how would you describe it? Yeah, I suppose it's your, your typical um, picture of Ireland is a lot of, lot of green. Um, where we are on the coastline, it's, uh, it's, it's quite hilly and mountainous, so the, the hills of Donegal will be famous. Um, there's very little flat road, so the minute you step on your bike, you're training. Um, but no, it's, it's beautiful. I mean... Where we are is it's pretty much disconnected from the rest of the country, so we've lots of quiet roads and empty beaches, and um, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite popular tourists in the summer, but you know during the winter months and that it's uh, you have everything to yourself. It's it's beautiful, but um, our, our mountains here wouldn't be massive in altitude. Um, you know they're anywhere from six hundred meters to eight hundred meters, so they're they're not huge, but. Um, they're still still quite tough in that there's very little trail on them. You're you're pretty much beating your own path across bogland and heather. So anybody who's been to Scotland is it's quite similar terrain to that. Mm. Eighteen hundred meters. That's not small when you realize that you're climbing from sea level. Yeah, I suppose all all our mountains basically start at sea level. Um, you know, so there's you know, Ireland's a pretty small island. Um so and the mid, the middle of the island is is pretty flat and, and and at low altitude, so most of the mountains skirt the sea. Um, so yeah, you're you're basically starting on the on a beach or or on a coastline, and then you're at the top of a mountain looking down on it. So yeah, the the views are pretty good around here. You know, in Colorado, we climb a lot of fourteeners, fourteen thousand foot peaks, and they uh, sound like they're quite a bit higher than your you know your eighteen hundred meter peak, which is about fifty nine hundred feet, something like that, just to translate, but. The reality is most of the 14ers, you start your climb maybe at nine or 10,000 feet. So if you're climbing yeah. 1,800 meters in, in Ireland, well, you can actually yeah, do no, more verts. I think you actually misheard me there. It's, it's, they're all under under 1,000 meters, so probably anywhere from 600 to 800 meters. Ah, so, 800. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to have ones that high, but unfortunately <laughs> there's, only, there's, there's only a couple that break the 1,000. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's still that's still a pretty substantial climb. We're talking about now about twenty six hundred vertical feet, and so that's Correct. not as much as I was saying, but still, um, that's not a small thing. A lot of mountains that you do climb in in places with higher peaks, you know, the the beginning of the climb is so high that a twenty six hundred, you know, a twenty six hundred foot climb is is uh, it's notable. Yeah, it really yeah is. for sure. Uh, like our, our highest peak in the the country is uh, Karen Tuhl, and the the vertical there is you know it, it, it basically is a thousand meters because you, you're starting at sea level. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's yeah three thousand feet roughly or, or just over that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, our, our mountains do they just they rise from the sea. Um, so as you say, you're not really starting at elevation before you start climbing them. So it's um, you're you're at the base of every mountain and you've got to work your way to the to the summit. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So let's talk just a little bit about your trail running. Um, why did you start trail running, and uh, why would you recommend it for other people? What do you What do you like about it? 
Yeah, I suppose I first got into trail running about four years ago, and it was it was more just um, by accident in that I I was getting down here and I had a couple of good years to take, and I just found my name was limited between building a house and and marrying that. So I started running because uh, it was easier to get out to do an hour running early in the morning or late at night, and I ended up building up towards marathon distance and did a couple of marathons. And I suppose being where I am. Uh, and there's forest behind me here, a lot of trails, so I just was running the trails all the time, and I found myself much stronger in the hills than I would be, let's say, fast cadence in the road. So it eventually just led me to trail running, and I did a few local races uh, in Ireland here, and then I I actually applied to the uh, Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, their smallest race, which is the, the OCC, it's 54 kilometers. So I kind of aimed towards that as part holiday part challenge and i did that and i just fell in love with it um just that area and just the whole sport and atmosphere around it um it really grabbed me and i suppose since then i've i've just been hooked on it and i suppose the big advantage of trail running as opposed to going out and hammering out road miles is that it's, it's much easier on your body um your joints you know it's not not quite as sore in your knees or your hips as the road would be and also there's a great variety um you know you're you're crossing beaches, you're running trails, you're on mountains, so it's not just on on the pavement or or the tar tar road all the time. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the trail. Mm. So how much harder do you think trail running is than road running? Um, I actually think they're totally different in a way. Um, the road running is very much down to numbers and pace and having to hit certain targets. Um, the trail running, yeah, there's a bit of that, but it's very much um, trying to manage your heart rate and your your whole body over the course of maybe a 100-kilometer race. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 really more of a mental battle as well. Um, but uh, I think it's, you know, for, for me, the, the trail running is, is ultimate um, because you've got to have perfect coordination when you're descending. You know, you've, you've, there's a skill to your ascending and descending. So, you know, it it's requires a lot more uh, skill level as well. Mm. I think the challenge for me would be that you have so many obstacles and uneven terrain and you get very, very tired on a long run. So now it's a matter of navigating all these obstacles when you're already exhausted. That's That's got to be tough. Yeah, that, that's that's part of it. And I think it comes down to, to your conditioning. Uh, you know, you've you got a really strong core um, just to be able to keep everything stable and, and intact. As obviously, as you get more tired, you're you're going to lose your form, and uh, you know it's quite easy then to to roll ankles or put knees out. So yes, it's your conditioning and your mental training leading up is, is as important as, as anything else, definitely. Hmm. Well, let's rewind a little bit and let's talk about adventure sports in general in Ireland. You know, you mentioned that there are quite a few events that you can participate in in this adventure race with 500 people. But how would you say is is Ireland an adventure focused country, or would you describe it some other way? Um, I would say it has been quite competitive up until the last kind of five years. Um, you know, up up to, up until then, yeah, people were doing little five um, Ks and ten Ks. Um, it's only really in the last number of years that people have realised that they can push their boundaries a little bit more. And I've actually seen a lot of races pop up. Um, you know, that are running into hundred kilometer races and into more of the ultra scene. Um, even here in Donegal, there's a, an ultra cycling race, um, 555 kilometers. So it's it's a hell of a race that um, it takes in the whole coastline of our county. And 
it's open to teams and solo riders. So there's a massive uptake in that. Um, you know, there's a good social element to it as well. There's a lot of people taking it on. Um, but no, as, as opposed to the adventure scene, um, people here, you know, the Irish are quite, they're, they're quite keen to take on a challenge. I mean, we, we have a lot of good mountaineers and ocean rowers, as you well know. Um, but people in general, I think, are starting to get outdoors more, um, especially since we had a recession here uh, a couple of years back. There's a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands, and I think people now are realizing that there's more to life than just work and money all the time. Mm, yeah. Well, that's great. You know, I personally, and everyone that listens to this show knows that I, I preach this all the time, but I think adventure sports are so healthy and so encouraging. They add so much quality to life, so I'm glad to hear that they're becoming more popular, no matter where it is on the planet. That's awesome. Yeah, they are for sure, and I, I suppose people see the benefits of it. Um, you know, just the exercise in general is is brilliant, just for for health and and for your mental health. Um, you know, especially that's it's, it's a big topic in Ireland at the moment um, is mental well being. Um, I suppose a lot of people had, as I said earlier, the the recession, the downturn in the economy, it had an effect on a lot of people. So I think people then started to get out and go for walks and runs and and uh, out on their bikes. So yeah, it's look, it's it's great for clearing the head, and I know I benefit from it massively. And uh, being a teacher in a secondary school, we we have a big emphasis on exercise as well. Um, you know, it's great for stress relief, and you, you actually see the benefits on it with students. Uh, you know, if if they're they're worked up or stressed, and we take them for a quick run at lunchtime or to go out training, playing football. I mean, the the benefits are are unbelievable. Mm, yeah, that's fantastic. So. A teacher, secondary education. So what grades are those? Yeah, so it's, um, I suppose, students from 12 years up to about 18. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I, I work in a mixed school, uh, boys and girls. And, yeah, I teach um, engineering uh, to be kind of pre-university engineering. So uh, it's metalwork and the practical side of skills. So they, they kind of get an introductory um, lessons into like mechanical and electronic engineering. So, yeah, it's a nice subject to teach. Um, there's, there's quite good interest in it, and I suppose it, it benefits them when they go on to university massively. So what's a teaching schedule like in Ireland? I know in the U.S. Uh, a lot of teachers get more time off than some other career paths, and that, that's really great for adventure sports. What's it like there? Yeah, same here. Um, it's one of the big benefits of the job, really. Um, yeah, my, my day is it's really 8.30 in the morning um, till about 4, 4.30 in the evening. It means I've, I've a lot of time in the, in the evening time to train and to get out, outdoors. And then the, the holidays are quite good. I mean, I have a, a summer where I've just over two months off. So, yeah, if, if you want to plan a big adventure, you can. So it's, uh, it's, it's ideal for that. <laughs> That's really, really cool. Hey friends, Kurt here. You know, we might have the healthiest audience of any podcast on the planet. I don't know. It, it, it just seems to me that people that are out there doing adventure sports have to be pretty healthy. They appreciate being healthy and they love to get out there and move. And we recently got a new sponsor, Health IQ, and they reward people who love to be healthy. This is cool stuff. So do you exercise five times a week? If so, then you probably think you deserve a different rate on your life insurance. 
You're not the smoker. You're not the one who's out there abusing his or her body and and having a lot of health issues that result. Instead, you're out there moving and eating right and doing right things. So shouldn't your premiums be lower? Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like cyclists, runners, strength trainers, vegans, and more. Matter of fact, research shows that those who frequently exercise with some intensity have a 22% lower cancer risk, a 56% lower heart disease risk, and up to a 34% lower risk of an early death. So why not get rewarded for that? Historically, you get penalized for your family history, body mass index, and other attributes, but you don't get rewarded for your health-conscious lifestyle. Well, Health IQ does reward you for your health conscious lifestyle with special rates on life insurance. How cool is that? To get more information and a free quote, go to healthiq.com forward slash adventure and make sure you do use that forward slash adventure that makes sure that they know where you heard about them on the Adventure Sports Podcast. So healthiq.com forward slash adventure. Thanks, guys. It's about time for some of this health-related life insurance. I love it. Well, let's go talk about your most recent big adventure. I want to get back to this high peaks challenge. So 32 counties, 32 peaks, 60 hours and 35 minutes. Tell us about this. What was that like? Yeah, it was a great challenge. Um, I did it along with a buddy of mine, uh, Lonan O'Farrell. He's from County Galway. The two of us were actually uh, racing rivals up to a couple of years back. And then we just we started doing these um, races and adventures together. So just before Christmas, we had um, just discussing something we could do. And I had I had read this um, challenge of doing the highest peak in every county in Ireland. And we thought, why not? We thought it's a, a good adventure. It's it's local. Uh, we don't need much time off to do it. And it's not going to cost a fortune. So, yeah, we, we just set about a plan. We, we got a, a very good team behind us. Uh, so we, we actually got four drivers and to look after all our logistics and we just sat down and we, we got our maps out and, and planned every mountain. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good challenge. I enjoyed the, the whole lead up to it and the challenge itself. Yeah, it was, it was tough, but um, we, we set a new fastest known time on the, on the challenge. So yeah, we're, we're happy out. So is this a big deal in Ireland? Do a lot of people try to do this? Um, yeah, it's, it's quite popular amongst hikers and not many would try to set a speed record on it um, purely because of it's demanding, you know, and a lot of people might set out to do it over a summer or maybe even a week. Uh, there's a, a lady actually just completed it this week. She took, I think, six days to do it. So, um, yeah, we, we, we said we, we knew the record was 87 hours, 50 minutes. So we thought anything under that would be a benefit, but um, we set a target of 60 hours. And yeah, we, we smashed it, so we 60 hours, 35 minutes. Um, yeah, it's quite popular, as I said, amongst hikers. And some guys have, have tried to run it, um, maybe not completed at all. So, yeah, I think you'll see more people taking it on now since, since we broke the record. 
<laughs> you get to build a lot of interest around it, and, and that always makes other people want to give it a go, huh? Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we created quite a publicity, you know, was in, the, in a lot of the media there nationally for, for a week or so. Um, plus, too, it helped. We, we were raising money for a couple of charities here in Ireland. So, um, yeah, they really got behind us, and it, it created, created a good atmosphere, and, and we had quite a lot of people coming out and cheering us on along the route. They were following our GPS tracker as we were doing it. So it was wonderful, really. We'd, we'd turn up in mountains and there'd be people people at the base of them, you know, to, to meet us and to run along with us for a bit. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a great experience for us. Wow, that's really fun. So let me guess here. You you go to a peak, you climb it, you come back down, and then you have the drivers that are driving you to the next one. And what are you doing between peaks? Yes, yeah, so I'll probably just give you a little background on it. We, we started on the highest peak in, in Connacht, um, which is a province of Ireland, the highest peak in County Mayo, which is um, Will Ray. So we, our, our official time started when we were at the summit of it. Um, so we started descending from there, and we actually had arranged with um, a local guy who owns a rib to take us um, across Killary Fjord. So our first actually mode of transport was a boat. Uh, so by doing that, it saved us maybe an hour or more of driving time. Mm. Uh, so it was a great start. To, it's a great start to the adventure, you know, it's just kind of James Bond style. Uh, <laughs> so in the boat. And then picked up by our crew in the van. So yeah, as you said, the the journey between mountains was was with our crew in the van, and yeah, we had to rest and recuperate and try and eat uh, as best we could during that time. Uh, our longest journeys were really only about two hours, so it was quite difficult to switch off. Um, you know, you were getting in the van, your heart rate was high, and your blood was pumping, so you were trying to bring everything back down and within maybe an hour you were back out again uh, approaching the next mountain so yeah i mean i coped pretty well with it um eating was the most difficult part especially after the second day um now uh, lonan found it very difficult with um car sickness so it was something we didn't foresee uh after the maybe six hours you're starting to feel a bit queasy and mm. it, cont- it continued well into the to the second night and eventually took its toll on him but uh, he, after a bit of sleep, he got together, you know, and we, we finished strong. Wow, it sounds crazy to me because of the amount of time involved. You know, you're doing this crazy, difficult physical feat, and uh, you're doing it for, boy, two and a half days, right? And so that's that's going without a proper night's rest and uh, just a very short period of rest. You're, you have to hit it again. Yeah, so I think I... When I added up my sleep, um, I think I slept somewhere between three to four hours, um, which, to be honest, it did me okay because I, I can go pretty well without sleep. Um, but I suppose the longest block I had was about 45 minutes. Um, but, yeah, it was enough just to, to reset the body and keep the mind fresh. Um, but, yeah, look, it was tough. Um, as I said to you before, the, the eating was the hardest part. Your, your body just it's upside down it doesn't know if it's day or night or right. should have eaten breakfast breakfast or dinner so um yeah that, that was the most challenging part really for me was was trying to keep fueled and keep keep your carbohydrates and stuff uh, stocked up but um yeah look it, it's it was great and i encourage anybody to take it on uh, you know it's, it's it's a tough challenge definitely is um you know i i, I coped well the physical side of things was was tough going um, especially I, I really sore quads on the second day from the descending by, by the time we got onto the, the near the end the last six hours it, it had all just gone away um, I could have you know we, we both said that if we had another day we could have um, so I suppose I come 
adventure racing scene too. We, we had trained quite a lot for long distance adventure racing. And, um, you know, we're, we're quite used to pushing ourselves through the night. Yeah. Wow. That's tough stuff though. Um, what were the rules that you used for this challenge? For instance, um, what does it mean to, to climb a mountain? And where do you start on each one and, and how do you know when you're done? Yeah. So there's, um, a great guidebook, um, out there by a guy called Kieran Gribben and it has everything outlined. Uh, so we went by that as our criteria. So he has start finish point for each mountain. And obviously we adhered to that. We, we started each mountain at, at his location and went to the summit. Uh, you had to get a photograph uh, with the summit cairn or trig point or cross, whatever the marker was on top. And you had to log that with him. And then we also had to provide uh, GPS details of everything. So we recorded every climb uh, using GPS and also our travel in between because obviously that has to be accounted for, um, the, the land-based travel, so that you're not breaking speed limits and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's quite strict in that sense in that, you know, you've, you've got to be fair from where you start and finish each mountain and also your, your mode of transport. Uh, so it's, it's pretty well defined there now in, in a guidebook and also online on the website. And as I said, we carried a, a tracking system. Uh, so it was great for people just to be able to view it and see where we were um, every hour of the day. And, you know, it, it, it was good in the way that people were coming out to see us. They were watching the tracker and they were able to drive to a certain point and, and see us on the road. So, yeah, that was the real criteria that we adhered to. Um, and, yeah, we, we got certified there just as, as having the new record. Oh, that's fun. Really fun. So would you do it again? Uh, possibly. Um, we, we, both, we were both laughing. We were saying, would we ever do it again? And, we said, well, if, if it's broken, we may go back. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I don't see it uh, happening. But um, if we were to do it again, I, I imagine we could shave a couple hours off it. Uh, just just knowing, you know, the layers made navigation layers made and made on certain mountains. Um, but yeah, it's 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 something that we we might do in the future, or something you might do for fun, and that you might take in the scenery. We didn't get, take much time to look around us. Uh, so it might be nice to do it just as a as a low key challenge sometime again. Well, how much does the scenery change from peak to peak, from county to county? Yeah, quite a lot actually. Um, I know on the west coast of Ireland, it's it's really beautiful. Um, you know, you're looking out over the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, so yeah, most of the scenic climbs are on the west coast, and then when you work up the east, it's more they're less rugged. It's more like hills and uh, kind of rolling hills. So yeah, the, the scenery over there, it's beautiful in its own way, um, just not as, as rugged and wild. Uh, in the Midlands, the, the mountains are quite low, but they're, they're very marsh and bogland. Uh, so they, they serve up their own challenges, even though they're, they're low in altitude, they're quite difficult in, in terrain. And um, I suppose up with me here in, in Donegal, we, we have quite a unique kind of quartz mountains. Uh, they're real jagged and... Yeah, the, the the scenery is constantly changing, and look at we we saw a beautiful sunset and, and sunrises. We were very weather here uh, the weekend that we did it, because uh, you know Ireland is it's pretty wet most of the time, and I think we only had maybe two or three hours of, of rain during our whole event. Yeah, so you had great weather. Yeah, lucky again. It, it made our navigation so much easier. Uh, you know, we were afraid that we might have low cloud cover in most of the mountains. Uh, whereas that wasn't the case, we were able to to pick out every peak and 
you know, it was really easy navigation-wise. Um, so, yeah, that added added massively to the or, or record time. Oh, that's great. That's cool. So I was just thinking here, if someone wanted to come to Ireland and see Ireland, this might be a really cool way to do it because you're going to visit every county in Ireland this way. You're going to see the way that the, the train changes. I guess you might miss out on some of the pubs along the way, but <laughs> if a person wanted to do this at a reasonable pace, then how long do you think it would take? Yeah, I think if you were to to enjoy everything and and see the sights along the way as well, um, you'd probably do it in a two week period, easy. And you know that that's taken in the all the famous uh, sites along the west coast and and the cities of Cork and Dublin and things like that. So, yeah, look at it, it's it's I'd recommend it to anybody, especially those coming from the states. Um, you know, we get a lot of American tourists up here, and yeah, they're just blown away by just by the friendliness of the people, but also just by the just the wildness, you know, the unspoiltness of the the mountains. You know, we we don't do boardwalks or or fixed trails. It's very much find your own way. And you know, a lot of people come from Europe and they, they find that strange. Uh, you know, there's little development in certain mountains, which some people see as a negative, but I see it just you know, it's the mountain is it is, and you know, make your own way up it. Um, so yeah, look at uh, I think any tourist that comes here. They're in for a real treat. Um, as I say, it's a, it's a mini, mini paradise here for adventure sports. That's fun. That's fun. So if people wanted to come, I understand that you have your own adventure sport company, right? So if people wanted to come yeah, and correct. try some stuff, what, how could they find out more information about that? Yeah, so um, yeah, as being a teacher, I have quite a lot of time off, and especially around the summertime. So I have a small-scale um, guide business here in Donegal. It's called Arts Adventures. Uh, ardsadventures.com and yeah you can check it out there I, I offer kind of kayaking sessions half days around the local cliffs and caves and things along with other mountain biking and, and hiking experiences so yeah there's some information there on the website I suppose to, if, if you want to get in touch just hit me uh, an email through that or, or my own personal website is uh, sean-stewart.com so you can get me on either of those yeah but um, I suppose we been in Donegal it's um it's about three to four hours from Dublin airport and it's probably where where most tourists would fly into um so yeah we're, we're right up in the northwest corner uh away from away from everybody else that sounds fun so the sea kayaking you said half day trips describe what that's like there yeah so we as I said we've lots of little inlets here and Obviously, the, the Atlantic can be quite rough at times. Uh, we're, we're getting the, the full blast of the, the Atlantic Ocean coming in from the west. So we have a lot of little, little uh, sheltered bays and inlets, which are great just for sea kayaking. Uh, lots of great caves and cliffs. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, at the moment, I was out there last weekend with a few people, and all the birds are nesting at the moment. So, yeah, we're looking up and, you know, puffins and, and different different birds just along the coastline. So, yeah, it's 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 beautiful along the coastline, I have to say. Um, you know, the, the, the caves and that are quite, quite spectacular when you go into them. And uh, we have quite quite large sea cliffs here as well. Sleeve League is the, the highest sea cliffs in Europe um, and only about just over an hour from me here. So, yeah, some, some spectacular scenery to be to be had around here. That sounds wonderful. You know, a lot of people like to travel to other countries just to see the country. But I think if you can plan an adventure sport, something that will allow you to really get into the, the natural landscape and experience it, you know, face-to-face, so to speak, I think it adds so much to the trip. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, for sure. I mean, whenever I go somewhere, I, I normally look up what, what activities there are in the area. 
And, you know, if I can tie it in some way, um, definitely, you know, if it's climbing a mountain or getting a boat trip somewhere, um, yeah, it has the experience of the holiday, definitely. Well, once again, that URL for your business is Ards Adventures, so that's A-R-D-S Adventures.com, so they can find more information there. And yeah. your your email address is spelled S-H-A-U-N, right? Correct, yeah. So Sean-Stewart.com to find you via email. Correct. Very, very cool. Perfect. Bentgate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for the last 20 years. Spring has sprung, but there's still a lot of great skiing in the backcountry, and it's prime time to check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and split boarding gear. Bentgate carries the premier brands, including Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Rocky Mountain Underground, Rosignol, Solomon, Voli, Never Summer, and Jones. With more people in the backcountry than ever, it's crucial to be prepared. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags. Come in and they will set you up with a proper gear and point you in the right direction to educate yourself on snow safety. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment, including the latest skis, boots, split boards, beacons, shovels, and probes. Bentgate also hosts free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a hands-on opportunity to ride the latest gear. Be sure to check bentgate.com for their full product selection, as well as updates on all of their events. Never run out of camp stove fuel again. The 180 stove is a natural fuel stove that eliminates the need to carry heavy, bulky fuel canisters. With a generous 6-inch by 7-inch cooking surface, it folds away into a clean, compact, self-forming case that is small enough to fit inside your pocket. At only 10.4 ounces, the additional weight and space savings allows for other important items in your pack. Get more information at 180tac.com and look for it in retailers near you as well as online. Well, let's talk a little bit about your Donegal Atlantic Way Ultra Race, the 555-kilometer cycling event that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so, um, yes, it's quite a new event in that we've uh, – this is only the second edition of it. Um, but, yeah, it's a hell of an event. Um, we, we we came up with the idea, myself and a friend of mine. Um, we thought to be a market for an ultra event in the county, and – the, the Wild Atlantic Way has been developed around Ireland. It runs from Cork right up to uh, Derry City, so it takes in the whole West Coast. And we thought, why not incorporate the Donegal leg of that? And when we added up the distance, it it's came out just over 500 kilometers. And we thought, yeah, it's a, it's a great event. Uh, so we opened up to solos and teams of two, uh, four, and eight. So, yeah, it's, it's open to everybody, really. Um, so last year we only had about 23 entries, and this year we've capped it at 100. So it's it's really taken off this year. And uh, we have some top-class athletes at it. Um, you know, a couple of guys that are 
well up in the ultra endurance world um joe barr who would be quite well known he, he's uh finished quite high up in race cross america before uh has recently had a third place in race cross italy um jason black a local guy here is is in the ultra cycling scene he's, he's never a summit here so yeah some of these guys are coming to do it and you know they're they're throwing their hat in it um so yeah i'm delighted to have all sorts i mean we have teams of ladies doing it um guys that are, are leisure cyclists maybe go out every saturday sunday do 50 60 kilometers so they're breaking it up into sections um so yeah it's, it's a great race um it's on on the 23rd of june this year and uh yeah i'm very busy at the moment just getting the the plans in place for that to make a good race of it so it sounds like then if people want to participate in that they need to plan for next year do you know how many people yeah, no. will, will be allowed to race next year yeah, well, I think the idea is we, we want to keep it manageable. Um, we don't want to lose the feel of, of, I mean, last year I knew everybody that came to the start line, and I hope it's the same this year. I want to be able to greet everybody and talk to everybody. So I'd like to keep it pretty tight-knit, um, as opposed to letting it get too big and losing its appeal. Um, so, yeah, if people are interested, I mean, it's a great way to see the county, and it's a great great way to, to see what Ireland has to offer. Um so yeah, if people are interested, they they can look up Donegal Atlantic Way Ultra dot com, and uh, the registration will be opening uh, sometime early July for next year. And uh, there's lots of details on there, routes and route profiles and everything. So yeah, it's um it's a good event. We've got a lot of the local community involved. We have the local GA club, uh, which is the the football association. They're providing our our um basically accommodation and different things for people. So yeah, it's a good community feel to it, and it takes in as I said some of the toughest roads around uh i think people they come here expecting nice tarmac and it's 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 anything but um the roads are rolly and quite dead on the legs and then if the weather is not kind it can be make 555 kilometers a lot harder yeah that's that's a distance and a half to cover is it all done and at one shot or is it a staged race where you go you know you go halfway on one day and halfway on the next or something like that no it's it's non-stop so we have a time limit of 40 hours and last year there was the the last rider was in in 39 hours so yeah 40 hours is it's doable yeah it's um it's still a challenge but it, it encourages people to race through the night so i know last year some of the guys near the back they might have rode till 1, 1 a.m. and taken five, six hours sleep and then continued the next day. So it is possible to do that, but um, most people take it on in one, one go. Yeah, and I suppose as a team, it's it's very manageable. If, if you're a, a four-person team, it's 120-odd K each. So, um, yeah, if you look at it like that, it's it's very manageable in, in the same sense as Ram, if you split it up into a four-man team. Um, but, yeah, as a solo, it's um, it's a tough challenge, and yeah, the forty-hour time limit I think is it's generous enough, but it forces you to be in good good condition. Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. So once again, that's called the Donegal Atlantic Way Ultra Race. Correct. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a simple Google search will get you out. Our, our website is DonegalAtlanticWayUltra.com. Very very cool. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the High Peaks Challenge. I would like to hear a story if you would share with us about one of the peaks that kind of stood out in your mind? Yeah, I suppose the, the most difficult peak was one we didn't expect to be difficult. And it wasn't because of the terrain or the altitude. It was purely just because of the, the circumstances we were in at that time. Um, just to give you a bit of an insight into it, uh, with, with Lonan being 
quite travel sick in between mountains. Uh, he was finding it really, really difficult to sleep and to eat, so he was slowly getting more and more fatigued. And this peak came up on the second night at about 4 a.m. And yeah, we jumped out of the van as usual and we set off. And uh, you know, I was doing the navigating, and London was just kind of following my tracks. But the mountain just turned into be a real, just it was almost like a sponge. <laughs> the every step we took, the water was just coming in over our ankles and. Yeah, it was just pure bogland and marsh, and it was um, very demoralizing at that stage of the, the event. And I suppose we it both it, it tested both our patience really. Uh, Lonan, I'd say he was biting his lip, and as was I. Um, but yeah, it, it tested our, our relationship definitely at that stage. And I suppose it was a long two to three hours just to to get to the summit of that mountain, and. I know when we, we we didn't really talk on the way back. Um, I knew he was suffering, and there was nothing I was going to say was going to help him really until we got back to the van. So, yeah, that was probably one of the the most challenging parts of the the whole um, high peaks challenge. And as I said, it, it was definitely wasn't one we had pre planned. Uh, it just was a kind of uh, the circumstances that we had been through leading into that, and uh, we were definitely glad to get off that mountain. So how many peaks had you climbed prior to this one? Yeah, so this was in the last basically third of the event. So I think it was about our maybe 20th peak. Uh, so, yeah, we were getting getting near the end, you know. And what had been probably on the go for about 40-odd hours at that stage. And, yeah, it was just bodies were getting fatigued and mentally we were getting drained. But, um, yeah, we... After that, we decided that Lona needed some sleep uh, just to reset the body. So we actually took a 30-minute break, and Lonan slept for those 30 minutes. And after that, he just he was like a new man. Yeah, he was able to eat, and he basically reset the brain. And from then on, we were slowly getting stronger, and we finished really strong on the last three, four peaks. So on the next peak, was the sun back up again? Yeah, so by the time we had come off that mountain, um, the sun was just rising. So we had then about a 40-minute journey to the to the next point, County Armagh, and that's when we decided to take the break. Uh, I think we it was a good decision at the time because had we kept going and persevering, um, I think Lonan, you know, he, he was just on a slippery slope, and I'd say it could have affected the challenge long-term and that we might have had to take two to three hours rest or even more. So it was important at that stage to make a call. And I suppose ourselves and the crew just said, look, at half an hour here, we might gain us two hours later on. So we, we just took a half an hour break and Lonan got some sleep. I got to eat some food. And yeah, we, we got back at it. The, the sun was up and, you know, it was a new day and it was our final day. We knew that we'd be finishing that night, all going to plan. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was nice to see the sun up and the final push to the, to the last peak in Donegal. Wow. You know, I think when people kind of hit that wall, they they find that hard limit that's that's really pushing against them, and then somehow they overcome it. There's something that you learn about yourself at those moments. What do you yeah, think well, you guys learned from this this whole experience? I I think um, you know myself and Lone both know how to push our bodies from a recent background, and you know we're not one to to give in. And I think in fairness, Lonan wouldn't have stopped. Uh, he was willing to keep going, but I just felt that we had to make the call, um, you know, because him being an adventure racer, he was going to keep going. And we said, no, look, it's, we need rest. And he agreed. Danny says, yeah, he says, I think it's the best option. I suppose he didn't want to 
uh, be seen as if having to need rest. But look, at, we were all glad of the rest at that stage. Uh, and uh, yeah, mentally, he's a strong guy. Uh, once once we had a bit of rest and food, yeah, we we, we pushed on. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to you know, to weigh things up. Um, I suppose I told the story to him. It's like the Shackleton effect, where he used to give his men. You know, he he would tell them that they're getting an hour of sleep and really only give them about ten minutes, and nobody <laughs> knew any different. Nobody nobody knew any different, you know. So he'd clap the hands and say, "Okay, guys, let's go." So um, yeah, it was almost like that. It was just a psychological break, uh, which everybody needed. Oh, that's a, that's a good strategy, I think. So, what about a favorite peak? What was one of your favorite experiences on this? Yeah, I think we both agree that the best peak was was Ireland's highest peak, uh, Karen Tuhal. Uh, it's in County Kerry. Um, yeah, it's, it was beautiful and it was just the, the time of day. It was uh, actually our first day. Um, it was our fifth peak. And yeah, it's, it's the highest peak. It's just over uh, 1,083 meters uh, from sea level. And yeah, we, we actually summited in just over an hour. Uh, so we, we had pretty hard and fast. And just as we got to the summit, the, the sun was setting and the, the view over the County Kerry and out to the Atlantic was just beautiful, I have to say. So, yeah, that's one that would stick with us. And uh, we actually have a great video of that up on the website. Uh, we had a Facebook live feed from it. Uh, so, yeah, it was that's one of the most memorable peaks, definitely, for us. Mm. So if people want to see that, how do they find it? Yeah, so um, they, they can find it through my own website, uh, which we mentioned earlier. Um, there's a link there to the to the Facebook page that we were using throughout. And also I have some of the, the photographs and the, the videos from the experience uploaded also. So yeah, they can, they can look it up there and, and see everything that took place. So Sean, what do you have planned for the future? I mean, this was a big feat that you just finished, but I know you must have something else out there that, uh, that you're looking forward to. Yeah, I suppose I've a lot of things planned. Um, this year, it's mostly trail running. So I have a few local races and then I'm going to the, the CCC and uh, the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc in august so that's my main focus for this year and then i think next year i'm going to just maybe go to do some mini expeditions again so a friend of mine from uh, germany has been on to me about doing a, a ski crossing in norway so uh, a week-long ski crossing on the hardangravita plateau up there so we hope to do that and actually i've been talking to my crew that looked after the high peaks challenge about a, a future expedition that we might do um which would be a journey of about 2,000 kilometers. Uh, it would start at the summit of Mont Blanc, uh, so the highest peak in the Alps. And obviously it would involve climbing Mont Blanc. Uh, and then from Chamonix then we would intend to cycle across France uh, to Calais, which is the, the port there. And we would then hope to kayak the English Channel, um, so across to Dover. And then back on our bikes again uh, to cycle to Scotland and then the possibility then of kayaking the Irish Channel across and making our way home by bikes again. So yeah, that's that's a, that's a future expedition which is going to require a lot of a lot of logistics and planning. But yeah, it's, it's in the pipeline. So we're just trying to get some sponsors on board and stuff at the moment. So hopefully I'll be talking to you again about that. Yeah, how cool, man! So you said about two thousand kilometers from the top of Mount Blanc all the way back home again, and that involves climbing, biking, and sea kayaking. Yeah, yes, that's it. Yeah, so it's a a mini adventure race, really. Yeah, it's uh, we we may even throw in a marathon at some stage just to get in the the running side of things. Um, yeah, and uh, we estimated we'd, we'd probably aim to do it, and weather dependent, probably ten days or so. Um, so yeah, that's that should be achievable. 
That's so awesome. I love the way that you've come up with so many different ideas, things to try to do that are kind of original and fun. And, you know, when you put a goal like that out there and then it becomes a real thing, right? And then when you finally get to go and do it, somehow doesn't it add to life just knowing that you have a plan, that you have something on the horizon that you're reaching for? Yeah, I'm like that. I mean, I need targets. Um, you know, they don't have to be big targets. I mean, if, if it's only a local race coming up in two weeks' time, that's that's what keeps me going. Um, I think it's important just to, to have goals. Um, I always differentiate, differentiate between exercising and training. So when I don't have a target, I'm, I'm exercising. When I do, I'm training, so I'm more focused. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that's the way I kind of look at things. Uh, so, yeah, it's nice to have things even if they're a year away. Um, just I enjoy the whole planning and the logistical side of things as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool, man. Sean, if somebody is hearing this and they're thinking, wow, I would love to be more adventurous, I'd love to be more active, but I don't even know where to start. I mean, it's so inspiring what you guys did here. And uh, if if the listeners are like me, they're just kind of blown away. What a neat thing to do. What recommendation would you have for them? How do people get started? Yeah, look, there's so many options out there at the moment, uh, especially here in Ireland. Uh, There's lots of walking clubs and 5K groups and you know, you don't have to go for the big stuff straight away. Um, I would definitely be recommending that you build into things. But, yeah, look, at get out there. Don't be afraid to take on challenges. Um, as I said, myself and London took this on, and we didn't know whether we were going to finish it or not. And I think that's, that's part of the, the challenge and the excitement. So, yeah, maybe get out with friends, go walks. Um, you know, you can do your, go to your local hills and take in, the, take in the mountains. It doesn't have to be massive stuff straight away. Um, but like I, I encourage a lot of my students there to you know, come along to local clubs. Um, I think the hardest part is the, the first night or two. And once you realize what it's all about, you know, your, your confidence comes and that nervousness just disappears. And, you know, after a couple of weeks, you've got to give things at least two to three weeks to, to see if you like them or not. And uh, once once you get into it, you're hooked, you know, and it's, it's nice to be out there in nature and getting fresh air so yeah don't be afraid to take on challenges and uh yeah set goals name for them well thank you very much for your time today i I love it that you shared your story with us and i love the way that you encourage others to to get out there and do it too so thanks man for your time thanks very much curtis great chatting to you yeah and so for all of our listeners out there you know sean has shown us what can be done And like he pointed out, you can do these things anywhere and you can find your local challenge. And it might be a a smaller challenge for the people just starting out or you can do something as big as this. It's wonderful. Remember, get out there and have some fun. On Monday's episode, Teresa Bruce is here to talk about her trip down the Pan-American Highway chasing childhood memories from the same trip 30 years ago. Until then, make sure you get out there and have some fun.